Welcome to Zach Solved Mysteries, the most important podcast you'll ever hear in your life. I know enough about most things to be inaccurate about everything. We're not just a podcast, we're an experience. This story f***s, dude. Prepare to have your life transformed because not listening to us could be a grave mistake. You must wake up every day and say, today's the day someone's gonna murder me. We're not just tackling the classic mysteries of the past. We're rewriting history itself. Robert Stack, I think, had dirt on people. Forget everything you thought you knew about unsolved mysteries, or any sort of mystery. Maybe there were giants, who knows? Who cares? Subscribe now to Zach Solved Mysteries anywhere you get your podcasts. Get solved. Ha <laughs> ha, mystery solved, my bitches. Imagine, if you will, that you're walking down a busy city sidewalk. The streets beside you are flooded with cars and passing motorists. The pavement below your feet being trampled by a wave of absent-minded people, each eager to get from point A to point B. I know, I can feel the anxiety creeping up just thinking about the crowds and the chaos. But let's take a moment to flip the script and imagine that exact same street, only empty instead of full. Now the honking of car horns has been replaced by a low howling wind. The sidewalk, once bustling and rampant with pedestrians, now sits still. Dare I say it, but that may be even more haunting than the congested intersection we just spoke about. And I'd be willing to bet that I'm not the only one who finds a bit of fear in a busy place that is noticeably not busy. They call them liminal spaces, or rather empty places that create ambiguity and distortion in our minds. Think deserted waiting room or abandoned shopping mall. These are places that should be overcrowded with people and when they aren't, we are left with an underlying sense of anxiety and dread. Now, from a psychological perspective, this phobia, per se, is based on the concept of liminality, which, simply put, is characterized by the tension we feel when we're in an ambiguous state. We feel uneasy because the space itself is the embodiment of unease. Okay, simple enough. This anxiety is a natural and perfectly normal reaction to a, let's say, uncanny environment. But what about the opposite end of the spectrum? The eerie side of the coin that leans more towards the paranormal than its psychological counterpart. Are these spaces inherently alarming for what they are? Or could it be that these are places that have been reserved for the dead? I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. To get a better idea of what we're dealing with here, I'd like to take you to a quiet valley of Columbia County, Pennsylvania. 
Sure, this doesn't exactly sound like an area that would be home to a widespread liminal space, but you'd be surprised what all is lurking up in those looming hills. You see, about 30 minutes south of the town of Bloomsburg lies the decaying remains of Centralia, Pennsylvania, a little mining township that was once home to nearly 3,000 people. Now, back in its heyday, Centralia wasn't exactly a hub for tourism or the arts, but in its own right, it was a thriving little community. And honestly, that alone makes the town's current standings so much more haunting. It's sad, really, what Centralia has become. Nothing more than a forgotten burrow, overgrown with toxins and the wrath of Mother Nature. One that's home to no more than five people and their ghosts. It's a far cry from the budding city that was taking root only 60 years ago. Somehow today, Centralia is a bit more popular than it was back in the 1950s and 60s. In fact, it's somewhat of a tourist destination for modern-day urban explorers and paranormal investigators. Oh, and given its current state of being, Centralia is quite literally a ticking time bomb, making way for some pretty intense paranormal activity. Those who have been brave enough to enter into its midst claim to have encountered ghostly apparitions. They've heard voices echoing from the cracked and decaying streets below their feet. And of course, they felt the overarching isolation that can only be created within a liminal space. I know, that description is haunting enough in its own right. But to really drive this point home, I should mention that Centralia, Pennsylvania is the inspiration behind what is likely one of the most popular horror franchises of the 90s and early 2000s. And it's all thanks to a roaring underground fire that's still blazing as we speak. It was 1999 when the story of Silent Hill debuted on PlayStation. And even to this day, it remains as one of the most popular games of the horror genre, later even inspiring a very popular spin-off film of its own namesake. The premise of the game, as well as the subsequent film, was pretty simple. A parent, after being separated from their child, is forced to search the decaying remnants of a scorched mining town, all while avoiding smoke, burning ash, and, of course, a handful of ghosts and ghouls. Okay, admittedly, both the game and the film have a flair for the dramatics. But if you've been listening closely, this all might sound a bit familiar. Because the fictional town of Silent Hill is loosely based on none other than Centralia, Pennsylvania. So by now, you guys are almost certainly wondering why. What events occurred in Centralia's history that could have made it the inspiration behind such an iconic horror franchise? And for that matter, why does it lay abandoned somewhere out in the Pennsylvania woods? Well, it all comes back to May 27, 1962, a day that would mark the beginning of the end for the little town of Centralia, Pennsylvania. 
I should explain. Being that this was once a thriving mining community, the town of Centralia sits atop a winding system of mines and tunnels. Now, by the 1960s, many of those tunnels had been abandoned or repurposed, with one mining pit acting as the town's local dump. At least at first glance, that likely seems innocent enough. I mean, environmental concerns aside, the city's trash did have to go somewhere. But this is where things get a little hairy. You see, on this day in particular, local sanitation workers were burning trash as a means to clear out the pit. And in doing so, they unknowingly ignited the latent coal lying within the bedrock. The blaze spread throughout the mining system at an unstoppable pace. And just like that, the town of Centralia had turned into a literal gateway to hell. For the next 20 years, Centralia officials went to extreme lengths to extinguish the fire. They tried flushing it out using wet sand and gravel. When that didn't work, they tried to dig a trench to contain the growing inferno. But thanks to the seemingly abundant supply of coal embedded throughout the mining system, well, these efforts were pretty much made in vain. So the fire continues to burn, and as you can imagine, it's had some negative effects on the town of Centralia. For starters, it wasn't long before the tunnels were filled with carbon monoxide gas, which in the end led to the closure of the remaining functional mines. Now, that alone didn't send the locals running from Centralia, but eventually the underground flames began to encroach on the residential areas, meaning that their homes were slowly being filled with toxins and natural gas. Not to mention, that sinkholes were cropping up all over town. The streets began to crack and crumble. And on one occasion, a 12-year-old girl even fell into one of these flaming fractures. Fortunately, she survived. But after that, most residents were evacuating the area in droves. And with that, the town of Centralia was condemned by the state. Still, there were a few who remained. Five longtime locals, who agreed that their homes and properties would one day too be condemned, but only in the event of their passing. Until then, they were granted permission to stay in Centralia, where they were more or less doomed to watch as their beloved town was encased in falling ash. It's these five residents, along with a few brave explorers and investigators, who have made some rather chilling claims about Centralia as it currently stands. So the question remains, is this empty little town simply haunted by its own past, or could it be something else entirely? I think what's most unsettling about this haunt in particular is the fact that, in Centralia, there are more gravesites than there are living people. In fact, there are a total of three cemeteries scattered throughout the township, St. Ignatius, St. Peter, and the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, let's take a moment to really let that sink in. These gravesites, while not directly disturbed by human hands, are almost certainly not what they were during Centralia's prime. 
and given that the fire in question is burning mere feet below these graves. Well, it goes without saying that these so-called final resting places are anything but peaceful, especially considering that the Centralia fire is predicted to burn for the next 250 years. Suffice it to say, it's really not that surprising that Centralia is reportedly haunted by the ghost of the town's old mining residence. I mean, how could you possibly rest while your grave is literally engulfed in eternal hellfire? Now, I won't lie to you. I did come across a handful of sources claiming that the ghostly lore surrounding Centralia is nothing more than a bit of internet gossip, even going as far as to say that the town only feels haunted because it's a widespread liminal space. And let's not forget the very fortunate fact that no one actually died in the fire or its aftermath. So from a skeptic's perspective, at least, it does seem somewhat unlikely that the ghost stories are actually true. Still, that doesn't exactly change the fact that locals and visitors alike claim that this ghost town is quite literally overrun with spirits. So to settle the matter once and for all, I'd like to end this episode by sharing a few firsthand accounts of paranormal encounters inside of Centralia, PA. It was the fall of 1999 when Jim and his girlfriend Lori took a trip out to Centralia. Now, admittedly, Jim and Lori aren't superstitious people but they do have a passion for exploring abandoned locations. So I'm sure you can imagine why a place like Centralia might have piqued their interest. When they first arrived, they made their way to a decaying home sitting atop of a silent hill. It was a white three-story duplex with red numbers painted on the front doors. It was obviously set to be demolished in the coming days meaning that this would be the couple's first and only opportunity to explore the gutted remains of this building. So they walked inside, and even in spite of the home's structural damage, the couple decided to walk up to the second floor. That's when they heard it, the undeniable sound of footsteps walking down the stairs from the third floor, heading directly toward them. Now, like I said, Jim and Lori are pretty skeptical when it comes to the paranormal, so at the sound of these footsteps, they were fully convinced that another living person was inside the building with them. And yet, when they poked their heads out into the hallway, there was no one there. They were completely alone, inside this old, decrepit, and seemingly haunted house. As you can imagine, that's really all it took to send the couple running from the building. They booked it to their car, threw it into drive, and left the burning town of Centralia in the dust. Not long after Jim and Lori's chilling experience, Scott Sailors paid a visit to Centralia with two friends. Together, they made their way into one of the scorched cemeteries that lie within the city limits and began to pay their respects. It was there that they heard disembodied voices echoing up from the ground below their feet. Leave this place, the voices said, almost as if they were warning Scott and his friends to leave Centralia while they still had the chance. 
It's stories like these that, at least in my opinion, take the wind out of the naysayers' sails. Sure, it's true that the mind is a powerful thing, with the capability to play tricks on even itself. It can convince you that you're hearing and seeing things that aren't actually there. And I'd be willing to wager that this is especially true when it's left to its own devices in a liminal space. But even still, the stories in the history surrounding Centralia, Pennsylvania are dark, to say the least. And really, if there were ever to be a truly haunted ghost town, it would be the one that's slowly burning from the inside out. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting. As the moonlight pierces through the dark, paranormal enthusiast and best friends, Farah and Courtney venture deep into the woods, armed with flashlights and a sense of adventure. Farah, are you sure this is a good idea? Sure, I'm sure. We're paranormal investigators. We're not scared of any ghosts. What was that? Uh, probably some animals. Oh my God. My flashlight is going out. Following the chilling sounds, the two stumble upon an abandoned and haunted building, its dark silhouette looming over them. Look, there it is. The abandoned radio station. It's supposed to be mad haunted. Let's be careful. We don't know what's inside. Wow, look at this place. A long growl is heard coming from behind the girls. They turn around slowly, and to their surprise, a zombie is standing in front of them dressed to the nines, wearing a 70s bell-bottom hot pink and purple leisure suit. Who are you pasty-looking females, and what the heck are you doing in here? Who are you calling pasty? Nice suit. Did you raid Barry Manilow's wardrobe, or did John Travolta have a yard sale? Uh, sorry about that. We didn't mean any harm. We're just curious about this place. Curious, huh? Well, come with me. I got something to show you. And as they wander deeper into the building, they uncover vintage studio equipment covered in dust and decay. Farah, you were looking for a new place to set up your podcast, right? And this is it. Whoa, whoa there, sweet cheeks. No, 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 don't worry. We'll make it worth your while. We love the strange and unexplained phenomena, true crime, macabre, and the sinister. And hey, you'd be a great touch to the show. 
maybe be an announcer for us as well. Mm, that does sound stellar. I'm in. A few minutes later, 12 seconds later, three weeks later, many months later. Okay, we're rolling. Welcome to Studio Sinister Podcast. Where we explore stories that haunt us all. And then we'll go make a fresh kill to celebrate. Dawn. Uh, just kidding. Join Farah, Courtney, and Don the Zombie on the 1st, 10th, and 20th of every month for some rad, chilling stories. And if you piss your pants, that's your problem. Come embrace the haunt. See you soon, Sinister Seekers.